grace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Good morning and welcome to Lovejoy this morning as we come to gather to worship. If you'll turn to the back of your bulletin just for a second, we'll see what's going on in the life of the church. You can see our normal times there. We have choir tonight at 5. Uh, we do have the prayer labyrinth that's on the basketball court. We have the Stations of the Cross set up in the arbor as we have in the past couple of years. You'll see uh, on April 7th is when the next United Methodist Men is. April 11th is UNW. We have our Monday Thursday service on April 14th, and that is coming quicker than it seems. We are almost there, uh, so be aware of that. Our Easter sunrise will be at 7 a.m. on Easter Sunday. We'll be again be right over here uh, on the asphalt right here at the edge of the graveyard for that. Our Lent study is Savior, what the Bible says about the cross. Uh, we are meeting on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock, and we'll be meeting this Tuesday. Uh, and then uh, the first two Tuesdays in April, uh, when we'll finish that up then. Uh, youth group, we will be meeting youth group next week, April 3rd. Uh, so put that on your calendars for anybody that's uh, sixth grade and up. Uh, please um, put that on your calendar. Um, I forgot to ask what time we were going to do that, but uh, we will make sure we, we get that time out to all those who are uh, uh, eligible to come to that. This Sunday is a special Sunday in the United Methodist Church. It's called Umcore Sunday. Um, they don't do specialty envelopes for each one anymore. They just do one envelope that's for all the special Sundays. Those are always back there on the back table uh, as you come in where the bulletins are. So if you'd like to give this Sunday or any other Sunday to any of these that are listed on the special Sundays list, um, you're welcome to do that uh, at any time. But I just wanted to remind everybody, since today is UMCOR Sunday, that these are still back there. Are there any other announcements this morning? I know that's a lot. Wonderful. Well, let us open with prayer this morning. Let us pray. Merciful God. You seek the lost sheep of your pasture. You call out to all who have strayed. As the father welcomed the prodigal son home, receive us back into your loving arms. Your steadfast love, O oh God, knows no bounds. Your loving embrace is always there for us. Be with us in our time of worship that we may feel your presence and know that you are our true home. Amen. Our song of preparation this morning is Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 140.
may be seated. As we continue this morning, we take time now to lift up our joys and concerns so that we can pray with and for one another uh, this morning. Uh, we do have last week's prayer list out there. We do update those every other week. Um, we do have some names to add uh, to the list this week. Uh, Holly Horn, uh, Tony Batten, uh, and the family of Gina Hanna uh, are the ones that we've added today. Are there others to add this morning? Seeing no others, let us take our prayers to the Lord. So let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we have come once again to this place. This place that is set apart to come and worship. And Lord, as we have come and gathered this morning, we are thankful that we can. Thankful that we have the freedom to be able to come. Thankful that we are not persecuted like many of our brothers and sisters are just to come and be in this place. So Lord, this morning as we have come to this place, we come with those people on our hearts and our minds. We come seeking healing for those who are sick. We come seeking peace for those who need comfort. We come with prayers of peace for the wars that are continuing on. We come lifting up prayers of guidance for our leaders, for our teachers, for all those who influence each other. We come thankful for those who take care of our loved ones. And Lord, we come thankful for your son. And as we have gathered this day, Lord, we remember the many teachings that Jesus taught us. We, we read those in our scriptures each day. And today, Lord, we come to hear once again more of your love, more of your stories. So, Lord, this morning as we have gathered... We lay all the names at your feet, and we ask that your will be done in each and every one of their lives. And Lord, this morning we come and join the chorus of voices that pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever, amen.
first scripture lesson this morning comes from our Psalter reading, Psalm 32, found in your hymnal on page 766. 766, Psalm 32. Let us read this psalm together. Blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed are those whom the Lord does not hold guilty, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I did not declare my sin, my body wasted away, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my inequity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let those who are godly offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of great waters shall not reach them. Sorry, I was going a little fast there. That's, that's the beauty of reading scripture. Sometimes you just keep right on going. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You encompass me with deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like an unruly horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle. Many are the pangs of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So as we continue this morning, we are, continu we are continually grateful for all the gifts and offerings that are given. And as we are still not passing the plate, but dropping our offerings in a basket i've asked noah this morning to bring that basket forward so that we can put them up here at the altar so that we can celebrate what jesus and what god has given us and what we give back thank you man i love you so let us pray this morning over these gifts god of overflowing abundance you bless the earth and it brings forth food we who have been given so much rejoice in our ability to aid those who are in need. As we present our offering this day, bless these gifts, the bounty of this good land, that they may reach those who need it most. May we who call ourselves Christ's disciples continue to give freely of our worldly riches, just as Christ gave freely of his heavenly riches. Amen. lesson today from the Old Testament is from the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. 
The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. And so that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna, but they ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Our gospel lesson today is from Luke 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, Well, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the very best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came in and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got himself back safe and sound. 
Then he became angry and refused to go in. The father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet, you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Give me just a second. I look down and I got a red light. That's why I keep batteries up here. Sometimes it happens. All right, there we go. As we come to the time of hearing the message, our message text is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and pull that up, we will read that just momentarily. So let us pray this morning. Lord God, as we have sung your praises and heard your scriptures read, Lord, we are just so grateful for the blessing that you give us through the word. So, Lord, this morning, may the words of your servant's mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, again, we are in the season of Lent, in a time of preparation for what is to come on Easter Sunday. We come maybe expecting something we come with our hardships from the year. We come with our joys. We come with grief and anger and moments of love and celebration. We come seeking and longing for things. And during this season of Lent, we are taking a journey through Paul's letters in a series called Character and Calling. We are going to explore and rediscover or discover the essentials of Christian character and calling. Now we began with Paul's letter to the believers in Rome. And McGray de Vega said that Rome, Romans is a reminder to us that before we go any further on this journey to the cross, before we look at what a Christian does, we must remember what a Christian believes. So the first character and calling was belief. Then next, we heard from Paul's letter to all those in Philippi who are God's people in Christ Jesus, along with their supervisors or bishops and servants or deacons. And this is where Paul told them to be imitators of him and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. So the second character in calling is that of discipline. And then last week, 
we heard from Paul's first letter to Corinth, sometimes referred to as the American Ancient Greece, according to McGray de Vega. And Paul offers the Corinthians a uniting call, a uniting call to holiness. To a holiness, the third character in calling, you know, that state of being holy, the state of being devoted to the service of God. So this week, this week we're going to hear from the second letter of Paul to Corinth. And McGray says that in contrast to the way human merit is typically measured, Paul invites the church to consider a deeper criterion Namely, the orientation of one's heart toward God. And the text begins today in verse 16 with a so then. So I think we need to back up just a few verses and hear what the if of that then statement is. So we're going to read starting at verse 13. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 through 21. If we are crazy, it's for God's sake. If we are rational, it's for God's sake. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. One died for the sake of all, therefore all died. He died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should live not for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So then... From this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. By not counting people's sins against them, he has trusted us with the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ representatives, be reconciled to God. God calls the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. Again, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's begin with some exploration. Let's think about today's society and the things that are prompted by the things that we see and hear. Two things that are given to us all the time, anywhere we look, anywhere we turn the TV on, watch ads, any place we go, we hear things about success and beauty. Now, I googled what is needed for success. And it gave me over one billion places to look of what it is that you need to be successful. Just on the first page, one site 
said there are 10 critical things you need for life success. Another said there's a, there are four requirements. And another said there are eight simple ways to be successful. And that's just on the first page. So then I said, well, let's see what it is out there about beauty products. And I got over 2 billion results. Most of these were like CVS Pharmacy, Ulta, just some of those ones that we know that are out there. But there were over 2 billion pages that had something to do with beauty products. 2 billion. And we turn on TV and we see even more stuff. We see advertising and marketing by companies that define, that define success and beauty as maybe doing these certain things or using these certain products. So societies and our definition of success and beauty is highly influenced by those advertisements and marketing strategies. What does that tell us? It tells us that we allow other people, people that we don't even know, to influence us in many different ways. We are bombarded by companies wanting to sell their products. Why do you wear what you wear? It's because some marketing strategy said, this is going to be the color of spring this year. Am I not lying? How hard is it to find the color that you really like every year? Because it changes. Companies tell us what we should be buying by what they put in the stores. Walmart. Walmart drives me crazy. Amen on that one. <laughs> I can remember a time when Walmart first started. So I'm putting some age on myself. And there went nothing in the aisles. You had an aisle, five people wide, that you could walk down. Now we're barely getting two because they have to fill up that middle with something. If you walk in on the grocery side, the first thing that you hit, sweets. Well, you kind of walk by the, the fruits and vegetables, but the first eye catcher, if you're going for a cart, is that big old rack of sweets right down the middle because that's what they want you to buy. If you go in on the pharmacy side of Walmart, and this is in Bisco, every Walmart's a little bit different. If you go in the Walmart side of Bisco, what do you see? Usually a television, depending on what time of year it is, but it's tax season right now, so they're pushing those 72 inches pretty hard. But how much does that influence us when we go shopping? I can tell you, I can walk in with a list of things I want, and I will come out with five things I didn't. Just because I saw it and said, hey, you know, this would be pretty cool. Or, hey, I've been looking for that. Or, hey, I would like to have that. You know, sweets now are in Bisco near the pharmacy area. They finally got smart because that line usually extends up that aisle. And what did they put right there? They put the sweets. They put all the sweets right there. They want you to, to go get sick before you go get your medicine. 
But companies put things in front of us because they want us to make that choice. What other ways are we influenced? Well, depends on what news channel you watch or what newspaper you read. Because no matter how much anyone tries to be non-biased in this world, there's always some kind of bias there. Because it's written by a human being, by a person who has their own views. We are told that we are to behave a certain way socially. That we have to dress a certain way, that we have to look a certain way, that we have to do this a certain way. Now here in the South, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. There are some other things in the South that are the ways we are to behave. But we, we are shaped by these things. By people who tell us that they have our best interest in mind. And sadly, people listen and follow. We even listen and follow to these people. And we allow others to tell us who they can and cannot like. People are influenced by others of saying, you can't like this person because of this. You, can't, you can like this person because of that. They tell us who we're supposed to hang out with, who we can love, who we can, what they can and cannot do with their own bodies. And then we have those same people who are being the influencers who say, I'm a Christian. They, they say, I follow Christ. But they're not really doing the work of Christ. You see, Paul is telling us that to be a follower of Christ, we have to quit letting others tell us what it is to live in Christ. And that includes me. I'm influenced because I'm just like everyone else. I'm a human being. I have needs. I have wants. I let marketing tell me, you need to have these Cadbury eggs because it's Easter. I love Cadbury eggs. I got some in the cabinet waiting for Easter now because I didn't want them to, to go away before Easter. And I've already had some already, so I'm waiting for some more. We are all human and we all make mistakes. And we all have flaws. Now, I do my best to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to have that Christ-like mind that we're supposed to have as Christians. And I don't always get it right, but I am thankful for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness when I don't. To see Jesus the way Paul did as the risen Christ is what we're supposed to do. Because if you know the story of Paul, Paul never met Jesus in the flesh. He's just like us. He's following the risen Christ. He had an experience on the road to Damascus that changed his life so much that he no longer carried the name that was given to him by his parents. 
he became Paul. Paul, who advocated for everything that was Christ. He went from the persecutor to the ambassador. McGray says, Paul says that from now on, those standards must be superseded by a focus on the transformation that is possible through the work of Jesus Christ. He continues, for Paul, this is what transformation from old to new looks like. A radical alteration of priorities and perspectives to be more in line with the way and the will of God. A reconciliation of our hearts and minds with the heart and mind of God. Now, Mark Hopper says that the verb to reconcile is used only in God's, uh, only of God's acts. We ourselves are, are the ones who become reconciled to God. God is the initiator and the author of reconciliation. The remover of that which estranges us from God. So today's character and call is reconciliation. The gift of reconciliation that is given to us. That not counting our sins against us. And with this gift comes the ministry of reconciling. We become the ambassadors who represent Christ. That scares me. Because I look at my life and I'm like, I don't know if I know how. But I get things wrong. How can I be an ambassador when I get things wrong? I doubt myself. I don't have the words to be an ambassador, Lord. I don't know how to do that. I stand like Moses did and said, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not. But God says, I will give you the words that need to be spoken. McGray says, an ambassador is different from the national leader who governs the country but is entrusted with the full authority to speak and act on its behalf. An ambassador for Jesus, then, is not to be equated with God, but does have the capability to represent God's heart and embody God's love for others. An ambassador chooses to live in a foreign country, just as Christians are called to live as aliens and strangers in a world that feels antithetical to the message of Jesus. An ambassador has the capability to represent God's heart. Represent God's heart. Is your heart aligned with God? God has called me to be an ambassador. He's called you to be an ambassador. He has entrusted me with the full authority to represent God's heart and embody God's love for others. Me, a sinner. Me, a human being who fails and falls. 
He's entrusted you with the full authority to represent God's heart and embody God's love for others. You are an ambassador for Christ. But are we, the big Christians, the big C, all those who proclaim that I am a follower of Christ, that Lord Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, are we being ambassadors? I can tell you, watching the confirmation hearings this week for KBJ, for Kenicha, Ken, Ken, I can't say her first name. I could say it earlier. Katanji Brown Jackson for the Supreme Court. I have a hard time believing that some of those who claim to be Christian are being ambassadors for Jesus. If you go and look at the senator's pages and their information, a majority of them will say they are Catholic, Christian, Methodist, Pentecostal. But what I saw had nothing to do with their faith. What I saw was a spectacle just so they could get their name and their face on some news channel. When I read the news of what some states are doing like Texas and Florida and Missouri of isolating a certain group of people, I have a hard time believing that some of those who claim to be Christian are being ambassadors for Jesus. And then I hear snippets of preachers. And I use that word a little loosely. That are telling their congregations that they are to lead, that they are leading things that doesn't sound very Christ-like. So I have a hard time believing that some of those who claim to be Christian are being ambassadors for Jesus. See, McGray says an ambassador builds relationships with foreign leaders and citizens, all for forging new understandings and pathways to peace. And as ambassadors, we are called to be in relationship with others so that the love of God might be fully revealed in us and shared with others and sent and set the foundation for peace. As I read the different scholars this week, some of their words called me out. I felt like God was calling me out on what I am and am not doing. I sat in my office just over there and exclaimed out loud, wow, and ouch. Because it hurt. I felt like those words that I was reading were ripping at my heart, calling out my understandings, my beliefs, my faith. And then I felt sadness and frustration and anger. You see, Paul is telling us that the old has passed away. The old way of doing things, the old way it was, is gone. But have we let it go? Are we still living maybe 
in that old way. Paul tells us everything becomes new. But are we embracing the new? Now I believe, this is my belief, that this old and new is more than just the before and after of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I believe this is an each new day thing. That the old is yesterday and the new is today. That our faith, our belief, and our understanding are made new each day. Because every night when we lie down is a night that kills the day. I believe that the old has passed away and the new is here. And I struggle with embracing this, some of the new. We all struggle embracing some of the new. Think about what these Christians at Corneth were dealing with. And what Paul is telling them that this old way that has to, to pass away so that you can be new in Christ. Yesterday is the old, today is the new, tomorrow is the newer. We are reconciled to God and are called to reconcile others to God in Christ. But how do we reconcile to God when God is always changing? Are we flexible enough to go with God's movement? Or do we hold on to that old way, that comfortable way, so hard that we miss the new? We must be ambassadors for Christ. We must be in the ministry of reconciliation. And I believe that if we are not ambassadors and reconcilers, we are not truly living into the commandments of Jesus to love God with all of our being and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said, all the laws, the commands, the prophets rest on these two things. Love of God, love of neighbor. And the ministry of reconciliation is all about love of neighbor. We may not agree with them, but we are to be in relationship with them. So how are we going to be ambassadors of Christ? How are we going to show God's heart? God's heart, not our heart. God's heart to those that we encounter each and every day. It all comes back to love. God loves us. Loves 
every one of us. That includes our neighbors. That Jesus was sent to reconcile us back to God. Are we ready to accept that gift of reconciliation? That gift of love? Let's be ambassadors of that love and go and show people the heart of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we bring our time to a close, our song of invitation is number 384, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. So let us stand and sing 384.
receive now this benediction. Let us read it together as it is found in your bulletin. In Christ we are a new creation. In Christ the law the last are found. In Christ we find our true home. In Christ those who were dead find new life. In Christ those who drink bitter dregs are invited to God's heavenly banquet. In Christ we reside with the saints. May the forces of evil become confused that way to